thank you, Mel, for that introduction. And indeed, shortly I will be introducing our new series. But before I do that, I want to talk about the awful events that we have all been witnessing over the past week and a bit. I'm, of course, referring to the brutal killing of George Floyd. I'm sure you, like me, have seen the distress in images and video of that killing where George cried out repeatedly, I cannot breathe, and yet he was ignored. And subsequent to that, the riots that we are seeing and uh, peaceful uh, protests in our own cities in this nation. And I want to just say we see it and we name it, that it is racism. We see and name the evil that it is. And I want to say to our black brothers and sisters in our own church family, who uh, this impacts, who are grieving, that we stand with you and that we care. Of course, this is uh, not a one-off event. Uh, racism is an issue throughout history and throughout the globe, but it has this issue, uh, this recent event has sparked a righteous indignation, a, a response to say enough is enough. So how can we respond? John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, said this, We are Christ's ambassadors. Wherever we go, we must take his justice. That means that we've got to allow him to deal with any areas of unrighteousness in our own hearts. Do we hate others? Are we bigoted in our opinions? Do we readily take revenge when someone wrongs us? Do we revel in the downfall of others and the exhortation of ourselves? We must face and deal with these attitudes and act righteously towards everyone. Otherwise, how can we bring justice to the nations? And as we are called to extend God's kingdom here on earth, part of that is extending his justice. So how can we respond? I just want to reflect on areas and ways in which we can pray. And the first one is to ask for forgiveness. Holy Spirit, would you work in us and highlight any areas in our own lives that we need to say sorry, where we may hold prejudices against our neighbours. And we just say, Lord, we are sorry for what the way in which we may have done to others, not as we would have them do to us. Lord, would you open our eyes to any racial injustice in our spheres? Let us not be the first to cast stones to others and look at our brother's speck in his eye. Let us say, Lord, is there anything in me that is offensive to you, Lord? Second, we, let us pray for peace and reconciliation. In Hebrews 12, 14, the writer says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Let us pray, therefore, for the peacemakers, that they would rise up and drown out the voices that would wish to destroy. 
Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Let us pray for our world leaders as they respond. Let us pray they do so in love and with wisdom and with discernment. Let us pray for peace in our nations. The enemy would want to divide us, but we'd pray for his kingdom to come. Let us pray against racism, to pray that the chains of bondage be broken and for Jesus to come, empowered by his Holy Spirit, to heal us. And let us also pray for George Floyd's family, who are grieving in this time and it has been made so public, that they would know the peace of the Lord and the comfort and I'm sure there are many other areas that I'm sure the, the Lord is staring in you to pray. These are just some thoughts. But let us respond. Let us not just ignore this. The Holy Spirit is allowing this to come to the surface so that his church can say enough is enough. Let us pray. Let us respond. And in our prayers, but also in how we act. Lord, if there be anything in me. And so what I'd like to do now is just pray before we continue as we look at our new series. Let us pray. Lord, our hearts agree for what we see. Lord, we pray for George Floyd's family now, that you would comfort them in this time. And we also pray for many other countless families who have been impacted by racism. Many, no doubt, in our own church family, we pray for them now and lift them up, that they would know your comfort, your peace. Lord, would you forgive us if there be any sin in us, Lord? Oh, Lord God, we repent. Lord, we ask for your spirit to come at this time, that you would give our world leaders wisdom and discernment as they respond and give us wisdom as we respond as well, Lord Jesus. Would we extend love, not hatred, reconciliation, not revenge. Lord God, we pray for your kingdom here on earth. We pray, Lord Jesus, together as one church and one family, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Can I just say that um, if you have been impacted by uh, racism and that this is bringing things up for you and you need prayer, our prayer team is available to pray with you. Uh, there's a request prayer button you can click and we want to stand with you and pray with you at this time. Well, as, as we move on, as Mel said, we are actually starting a new series today entitled Ready, Steady, Acts. And uh, if you're wondering what that series is on, well, of course, the clue is in the name. It's on the book of Acts. And actually, this is a, 
uh, a very much a continuation of last week's talk. We had our guest speaker, Ellie Mumford, who um, was speaking on Pentecost Sunday, and she looked at um, what happened on that day, on that moment where uh, the disciples were in the upper room and they were seeking God. Jesus had, as we know, been taken up to heaven, glorified with the Father. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came and came upon them and empowered them. And uh, I love what Ellie said. She said three things What happened. Number one, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Number two, the gospel was preached. And number three, the church was born. And if you missed that talk, you can catch up with that. And so really, in many respects, as we look through the book of Acts, what we see is a continuation of that most amazing adventure. But it's not just about an adventure that we read as historical fact for the church over 2,000 years ago. It is also a blueprint in many ways for us as believers on how we walk out this most amazing adventure that God has for each one of us and the great commission that he has given to us to extend his peace as we've been praying about earlier and extend his kingdom in, his, in this world. And so what we're going to do each week is we're going to walk through the book of Acts and we're going to see what God has got to say to us. And in some ways, as we emerge from this lockdown and we emerge outside, God has a part for us to play in this adventure. I'm reminded of what Carol Wimber said, the widow of, of John Wimber, who I mentioned earlier, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, in the legacy film that was launched uh, a number of weeks ago that was filmed last summer. And she had said, you know, I feel as if something big is coming next year. There's a move of his spirit. And God said, everyone's got to get ready and get into their place. And she said, it's not that I see these uh, tiles, the square tiles that are the same. I see individual, unique puzzle pieces. And I want to tell you, you are a unique puzzle piece. Did you know that? You have been crafted and created by God in a unique way because you have a unique part to play in the extension of his kingdom. And so I'm excited as we walk through Acts to see how we can live that out. And so today's talk is really a bit of foundation laying for the coming upcoming weeks, just so that we're all on the same page. And what I want to do is look at some of the key themes that we can expect to see over the next coming weeks. So let's look at the book of Acts. Where can we find it? And of course, we can find it in the New Testament. It's the first book after the Gospels. And uh, it was written in about AD 63, so 63 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And it covers the first 33 years of the early church. So it is a historical account. And it was written by Dr. Luke. Now, you might have heard of the name Luke before. That's right. Luke wrote one of the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke. And you can see in Acts 1.1, Luke says this, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, this is interesting. This chap, Theophilus, he wrote to in, in, uh, when he wrote the Gospel uh, of Luke. And he starts that with, my, my, my most excellent Theophilus. Now, you can imagine Theophilus. Um, he would have read the first instalment, if you like. And he came to the end of it and goes, oh, wow, what happens next? I don't know about you, but I like reading uh, 
fiction books that are part of series and I get to the end of one, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to read the next one. And you can imagine Theophilus, he would have received this. He'd go, yes, I can't wait to see what happens. And um, it's the Acts, the way that Luke wrote this, he really split it into three key sections that you can see that really mirror um, the, the commission, if you like, that Jesus gave the disciples. And we read that in Acts 1 verse 8. You see, Jesus says to the disciples, listen to this, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, number one, in all Judea and Samaria, number two, and then lastly, the ends of the earth. Wow, the ends of the earth. What an adventure. And actually, that is how it is written. You see, the, the witness in Jerusalem is covered in Acts from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 8. That witness in Judea and Samaria is from Acts 8 all the way through to chapter 12. And then the ends of the earth you can read from chapter 13 all the way to the end of Acts. And what I absolutely love about this is that, you know, Jesus said, this is what I want you guys to do. And they did it. How amazing is that? that they were able to be witnesses to Jesus, that one generation said, okay, let's go do this. And they changed the face of the earth and they changed the course of history. Referencing John Wimber again, uh, and he does have some fantastic stories. Uh, you would see this in the legacy film. When he um, became a Christian, and prior to that, he was a, a musician in the Righteous Brothers, and he lived, by his own admission, a, a rather rock and roll lifestyle um, of uh, uh, drugs and all the rest of that kind of stuff. But then he met the Lord in a powerful way, and he and his wife Carol went to a church. And he was enthralled by reading the New Testament, got excited by the miracles he read about, the, the healings, the casting out of the demons, the power. Uh, that came upon the, the, uh, the apostles and the early church. And he went up to the pastor and said, this is great, so when do we get to do the stuff? And uh, the pastor looked at John Wimber rather quizzically and said, uh, what do you mean? When do we get to do the stuff? You know, when do we get to do the stuff, John Wimber said, in that we read here. And the pastor said, no, we don't do the stuff. We read about the stuff, but we don't do the stuff. And John kind of quipped to himself, I gave up drugs for this. <laughs> and the point he was making was, you know, this is supposed to be an exciting adventure that you and I have been called on to. And that is why the Holy Spirit has been sent in order to empower us to walk in that great commission, to play our part in extending God's kingdom. Now, what does extending God's kingdom mean? It means to, as we've looked at, extending his justice into, a, into, into this world. It means extending the love of Jesus in that way and in so many other ways. It means healing the sick. It means casting out demons where there is spiritual oppression. It means those acts of kindness. It means reconciliation. It means... Uh, been um, extending God's peace. It means all of those things. It means extending the good news of Jesus, that if we believe in Jesus, we can have reconciliation with a God that loves us. You see, that is the heart of the gospel message. You see, sin, as we know, came into the world. Everything was perfect, but Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They essentially said, we don't need God. We want to do it our own way. We want to be like God. And sin came and caused a barrier between our holy God and his creation. And so what did God do? Did he just say, well, that's it. I'm going to wipe you out and punish you. No, he said, you know what? I'm going to rescue you from that sin. I'm going to send my only son, Jesus, 
to come down and die on the cross and take the punishment that was due you because of your sin on himself. And in that divine exchange, his righteousness, his holiness, Jesus, the perfect spotless lamb, was given unto us. That is the good news of the gospel, that we can have eternity with a God that loves us, that he has saved us from eternal separation with him. And that is the amazing gospel message that was entrusted to the disciples and is entrusted with you and I. You know, the late Dr. Campbell Morgan, who was a, a pastor of the Westminster Chapel, he used to say this about studying the book of, the, of, of Acts, that it will do two things for us. First, it will fill us with hope. We shall realize what a wonderful Lord we have, what a mighty person the Holy Spirit is. It will fill us with hope and what a powerful gospel, and I've said this, has been entrusted to us. But he said, secondly, it will fill us with shame. To read this book will humble us and send us to our knees and cause us to cry out, Lord, do it again. And as I've been reading Acts again afresh, and you look at how God broke in and broke through, and you see how God moved so powerfully, that surely is our response as it is mine. Lord, would you do it again? Lord God, would you come in power again? Lord God, would we move in all that you have for each one of us? And so, as I said, over the coming weeks, we're going to unpack the book of Acts together and see what we can learn about how we respond to the great commission that God has given us, that Jesus has entrusted to us. And as way of introduction for this series, I want to just share very briefly four key themes that we will see bubble up. The first one is this, that you'll see throughout Acts, is that we are to walk closely with God. You see, the Acts of the Apostles could very well be called the fruit of the apostles. Why do I say that? Well, Jesus said in uh, John 15 that we are to abide in him, and as we do, we would bear fruit for his glory. You see, the acts of the apostles weren't devoid of love of God. They came out of that place. It wasn't that they said, well, we've got some time on our hands, let's get busy. Nor was it that they did it under some kind of fear that they were going to get whipped if they didn't do it. It came from a place of intimacy and such an experience of, of the love of God that they had to go out and tell the world the good news. And what we all read in Acts is a people that were devoted to prayer. Supplications, but also listening in prayer to God. Spending time seeking His face. That they were devoted to fasting, saying, Lord, I'm more hungry for you than I am for food. Positioning themselves in that way. Devoted to worshipping God, to praising God. And that is a challenge for each one of us. Are we that desperate? Are we that hungry to walk with God? You know, it says in John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. For some of us, we live our lives saying, well, I love you, God. But when he calls us to something, we say, yeah, well, no, not really interested. You see, James says that our works are an outworking 
of the saving faith that we have. You see, there is always an outworking of our faith. We are not justified by our works. We cannot be saved by our works. We are saved by faith in Jesus. But when you say yes to Jesus and you love him and you walk with him, that saving faith bears that fruit, those works. And that is what we see in Acts. And so the first challenge is, are you walking closely with God? Number two, the other theme that we will see throughout these coming weeks is this, that we are to walk in his power. And I mentioned this at the start of the talk, that the church was birthed by the Holy Spirit coming upon them and empowering them. You know, Jesus said in John 14 verse 12, he said, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. What, really? Your works, Jesus? But you, you do know you healed the sick, yes? You do know that you stood up for the woman in the well, yes? And that you showed compassion, yes? You do know, Lord Jesus, that you raised the dead, yes? We're going to do those? Yes. But if that wasn't enough, look what Jesus goes on to say. And they will do even greater things than these. What? Greater things? Are you kidding me? And then he says this curious line, because I am going to the Father. How's that going to help me? You can imagine the, the disciples at the time, well, listen, I can imagine that we might be able to do those things if you're with us and you're helping us. So why are you going? Well, you know, Jesus gives them the answer in Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And he said to the disciples, didn't he? He said, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you right now that God has laid out an amazing purpose and plan for your life, but he doesn't leave you to do it on your own. He always empowers you for the call that he's placed on you. Let me say that again. He always empowers you for the call that he's placed on you. Now here's what I want to do right now. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would come upon you. And you, you might say, well, Mark, I've had that experience before. Well, you know, D.L. Moody and um, um, uh, Ellie Mumford quoted this last week. A great evangelist said this when asked why he urged Christians to be filled constantly with the Holy Spirit. He said, well, he said, I need a continual infilling because I leak. <laughs> and then he pointed to a, a water tank which had sprung a leak. I'm like that, he said. Oh, I don't know about you, but I leak too. But I want to tell you that that the Father sent his Holy Spirit to empower us. So what we're going to do right now is if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, maybe it's the first time for you, maybe you just need another infilling, then let's just pause. I'm going to pray and maybe just give, raise your hands out. And I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, would you come now? Come Holy Spirit. Would you come upon us now, Lord, and empower us, Lord? Come, Holy Spirit. Now, maybe some of you, you're feeling like your hands might be tingling. Some of you might feel a bit warm or hot. Others of you might be weeping as the Holy Spirit comes upon you. These are all normal things. Or maybe you don't feel anything and yet you feel a peace. You can do that any moment of the day. Come Holy Spirit.
You know, if you feel like you've had an experience and you want someone to pray with you, or the request prayer button is there. The team would love to pray with you. Come Holy Spirit, the oldest prayer in church history. And what a powerful prayer. Come Holy Spirit. Number three, so we've looked to walk closely with God, walk in his power. What other themes are we going to see bubble up as we go through the book of Acts? Number three, walk together with others. Um, you know, we're called to live out our faith having fellowship with other believers. How many of you heard, and maybe you said this, this uh, curious phrase that says, well, you know, my, my faith is private. Anyone heard that? It's just between me and God. As if that's some kind of holy notion. Can I just say, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. I, I, I believe that it's just a ploy of the enemy to isolate Christians and pop them off. We don't see that at all. At all. What do we see in Acts? Acts chapter 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And to fellowship. They devoted. It wasn't that they just had fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, what is Fellowship. Well, let me tell you, it isn't just about being together, gathering together. You can be in a building full of Christians and not have fellowship. Did you know that? You see, fellowship is more than. It's about a unity of purpose, of spirit and of mind. It's about worshipping together, praying together, sharing each other's burdens and loads. As we have, um, it's about crying with each other. It's about laughing with each other. It's about understanding what's happening with each other and being there for each other. Just as a church family, we are together at this time as we have prayed earlier for what we see around the globe and for our own brothers and sisters who are impacted in our church family. That is fellowship. And can I say right now that we have connect groups. I know we're not able to meet together on Sundays, but we have connect groups. So many vibrant connect groups that we meet throughout the week at the moment via Zoom, but soon they'll be able to meet together. And if you need fellowship and you're saying, yeah, I, I need that, I want that, then get involved in a connect group. You can go to our website and find out more. Email the office if you wish. We will get you in touch with a connect group that you can have fellowship with one another. And what is this kind of fellowship? Well, you know, ultimately it is modelled by Jesus. How do we see that? Well, in John 17, 23, when Jesus, he's about to go on that journey to the cross and to be raised from, from the dead, and he is praying to the Father for, his, for, the, for the believers. He says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You see, that true unity, that true fellowship comes from a work of his spirit. And I, my prayer is, Lord, as a church family, I pray for that unity. I pray that we would be a, a church of fellowship. Not just a gathering church, but a church of fellowship. That we would do life together. We would share together. We would pray together. We would cry together. We would laugh together. We would help each other. That is what we see in Acts. That is, if you like, that blueprint that I talked about for his church. And number four, we walk towards the lost and the hurting, those in need of Jesus. 
And that is what I talked about, that great commission. We are to testify, to witness the good news. What does that mean? Well, you know, in a courtroom, when they call a witness, right? I call a witness, and they come up and they say, do you, do you uh, promise to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth? Yes, do you testify? Yes, I'm going to testify. I say, right, can you give a character witness? Well, you know what? That Jesus, I can say, I'll tell you what he did for my life. He changed me inside out, where once I was in need, now I am filled up by him. Where once I was lonely, I feel his presence. Where once I was broken hearted, he bowed me up, he healed my heart. All you see it takes is for us to tell our story. That is what personal evangelism is to say, I want to be a witness to what Jesus has done in my life. Can you do that? Which neighbour around you needs to hear the good news of the gospel that Jesus has saved them so they can have eternity with a God that loves them? That they can experience his peace, they can experience his comfort, they can experience his protection and all of those things. And so those therefore, as I end now, are the four, as I set the scene, as way of an introduction for those coming weeks, walk closely with God, walk in his power, walk together with others as we have fellowship, and walk towards the lost and hurting. You know, as we read about these amazing guys, this one generation that changed the planet, I want to ask you a question. Do you want to be a generation that walks in the power of the Holy Spirit to extend God's kingdom here on earth? I don't want to miss out. Are you ready? So let us pray now. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your goodness, your love, for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came and died on the cross for each one of us. I pray, Lord, for those that have yet to say yes to you, Jesus, that you would just convict their hearts of their need for you, Jesus, that you have amazing things lined up for them, that you have paid the price for eternity so that we can have eternity with our Heavenly Father. And if that's you this morning, if you want to say yes to Jesus, then get prayer, Hit the request prayer button. Our team would love to pray with you. And Lord, I pray for each one of us. Lord God, that we've already said yes to you, that we would walk in the fullness of the plans and purposes that you have for us. That as we spend these coming weeks looking at the early church, this blueprint for church, that Lord Jesus, we recognize that a church isn't a building, it's not a program. Great though those things are, they facilitate it, that we, your people, are your church. And that you are causing us, you're calling us, to walk in all that you have. I pray this in your precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Bless you guys. Mm -hmm.